Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined on the phone by Ben Badler from Boston. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing good. Doing good. How about you, Kyle? Hanging in there. A lot warmer than you are right now, I'm betting. Uh, Probably so. <laughs> Well, uh, minor league season has uh, has started. We're about ten to fifteen games in, and Ben and I both have been on the road quite a bit, seeing uh, some of the guys who are just making making waves around baseball, majors and minor league level. Uh, one of the fun things that we did at Baseball America here over uh, last week, we saw the top three prospects in the game. I was in Anaheim seeing Shohei Otani, uh, Josh Norris, and JJ Cooper were here in Durham, North Carolina, seeing a Ronald Acuna with Gwinnett. And Ben Bowler was up in New Hampshire seeing a Vladimir Guerrero and uh, you know his sidekick Bo Bichette and the Vlad and Bo show. So you know Otani Acuna and Guerrero were our top three prospects. We had live eyes on them uh, the first week of the season. Uh, ben, I, I do want to start with Guerrero because he was number three on that pecking order, but a lot of other years he'd be number one. Uh, you know his first you know go things at the Double A level. Uh, just what what were some of the things you saw and talked to scouts about you know being there on the ground? Uh, well, there were no scouts at the uh, at the games I was at, which is because uh, scouts are probably smart enough to not want to go uh, up to New Hampshire and sit and watch games in uh, game in weather that's just above thirty degrees. <laughs> so, how many layers uh, were you wearing? That's the real question. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was posting some photos on my uh, my Instagram story on that one of the games where it was uh, definitely layered up. Trying to take some video uh, out there in the cold was uh, uh, challenging, but definitely worth it to see to see Vlad Jr. and uh, Boba Shed and and Lourdes Correal on that team. I mean, Vlad Vlad Jr. is just he's just incredible. <laughs> he's he is just such a good hitter, and it it starts just watching them all take BP, and it's just it's just so much louder when it comes off Vlad's bat than anybody else, whether it's Bichette or Guriel or like the older guys who are on either club who are 23, 24. Here's here's Vladdy Jr. who's I mean, he just turned 19 years old, and he's hitting balls out of the park to his to the pole side, like not over the fence, like over the Sam Adams like brew house that they have in left field. You can see the video we posted um, online of a few of the shots he hit, but it's not just huge, huge power um, to the pole side. It's you know, he's, he's hitting, like, these line drives that just keep carrying and keep carrying to the right center, center field fence. It's a, it's a very professional BP, very, very hard contact to all fields. There's just so much bat speed. And then in the game, he, he has such a disciplined 
hitting approach too. It, it looks like it looks like a big league veteran, and he's not a guy who's up there expanding the strike zone. Uh, he knows he's going to get pitched to very carefully. Every other pitcher, every pitcher he faces knows uh, who he is and knows how talented he is. And he just stays with a very disciplined approach for a guy who, you know, most of his peers are probably either in uh, maybe it's Gulf Coast League, short season, or, or uh, in low A. And here he is in double A with just a, a hitting approach, plate discipline, pitch recognition uh, so far beyond his years, squares it up, uses the whole field uh, in the game, too. doesn't matter if it's uh, premium velocity or a breaking pitch. Uh, he squares up everything. Uh, great plate coverage. I mean, it's he's got 70 raw power right now. I mean, he's, you can see he's such a big guy. He's already pretty physically mature for his age. But maybe that even improves, and I think he's he's got a chance to be uh, at least a, a, a seven bat, if, if not an eight bat, to go with seven or potentially eight power. And I realize how <laughs> you know how hyperbolized that sounds, but this is just such a, a special special hitter for me. He, he's the best prospect who's in the minor leagues right now. It's it's just such a it's so rare to see a hitter that young that good it's, it's really just a, a special special hitter you know and going off of that you've been with baseball america now 18 years 15 years what's what's the time frame here no no i'm not that old you're not that oh that's matt i'm sorry yeah how long you been yeah, here uh, yeah so i've been yeah covering prospects for for us for 11 years now and he's, so and, and in I that mean, in that 11 year time span have you? Is there another hitter that you feel like is comparable? I mean, is is you know what what are we talking here compared to what you've seen in, in all your years and the thousands of prospects you've seen all over the world? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like Bryce Harper is pro- like, I mean, what he was doing as like an eighteen year old was just so ridiculous, and that Harper obviously was was a much better athlete than uh, than Vladdy. And much much better other tools in terms of the speed, uh, the arm strength that he brought to the table. Uh, I mean, I, I would put Harper in a, a class ahead of him. And it is fair uh, to note that as special as Vlad is, is, you know, his age 19 season in Double A, Harper's age 19 season, he was in the majors, you know, hitting 270 with 22 homers and winning Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then what what Harper did was just just mind blowing. Um, you know, Trout obviously as, a, as an all-around prospect. Um, you know, loved loved Mike Trout. Did not think that like you know he's going to be basically a, a modern-day version of Mickey Mantle. But like you know, the thing with I'm not saying Vladdy is in the Trout category by any means. But like the the thing with guys who are just so 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 talented is like you know we've rated. Vladimir Jr. is like, you know, number one international prospect, number one prospect when he's in the Appalachian League, number one prospect in every league he was in last year, number one Blue Jays prospect, like, and, and to me, like, he's the best prospect in the minor leagues right now. Obviously, I know other people would say wrong. But, but there's, there's, so, there's something to be said for every step he's ever been, he's been at the top of his peer group by, by a and, fair margin as well. And not only that, but like, 
even with all these like number one labels we put on him, like it's, it's still like he's underrated or like he still manages to somehow beat expectations because it's, you know, you would understand if there was some struggle in double <laughs> A. I mean, like we're talking about, like I'm, we're out here, Vladdy's out there. And, you know, he played in the cold weather last year in the Midwest League, but here's, and, and obviously he was born in Canada, but like, you know, he was, you know, grew up in, in the Dominican Republic. He's out there taking infield and just like, you know, winter hat with a pom-pom on it. And everybody's freezing and, you know, it'd be understandable if there was some struggle in, in April, uh, but there's just none of it at all. He's just by far the best player on the field. So, so with guys like that who are just so talented, they just, you know, destroy all kind of conventional timetables and just manage to keep getting uh, better and, and better. Now, defensively, yeah, that was my next question because I think you know he's he's a bigger guy. He's you know he's probably going to continue to get bigger. Um, there have been some errors at third, but you know there also a sense that he was getting better. Again, it's a cold April, you know, three game set. Nothing can be you know is a hundred percent definitive there. But just what did you see just in terms of some of the actions, the movement, and just his overall game over there defensively at third base? Yeah, I think the tough thing with Vlad is that. It's not a problem that he's such a good hitter, <laughs> but the the thing to keep in mind with him is that he, you know, he trained as an outfielder when he was an amateur, which was not that long ago. Right. He signed in 2015, so he really only has two full seasons of experience, of professional experience as a third baseman. So if he was on a more conventional timetable like you know Juan Soto and Wander Javier and like like Jalen Ortiz like these are the guys who signed in the same class as him and these guys are in low A right now so if he was a 19 year old third baseman in low A you would say all right yeah he's got some you know he's that the hands are, are a little were a little rocky from from what I saw and he's certainly not the most agile rangy third baseman or anything but you could say, all right, he's got the attributes where he could at least develop into a, uh, you know, playable defender at, at third base. But like I was saying, the problem, if you want to call it that, is that his bat is going to be major league ready. I mean, if not this year, then certainly by 2019. So uh, the, kind of the other end of that is that, well, he's at least not going to be so big that he has to move over. Uh, to first base at that point in his career by the time he's you know, when he's still 19, 20 years old, I think he's still going to have the, uh, you know, the, the mobility to save her at third base. You know, later in his 20s, I think he's probably just going to get so big that he goes to the first base, uh, although I don't think it really matters just in terms of the offensive profile that he brings because he's going to be able to uh, be a, a way above average hitter at any position he plays. Uh, but he does need, he does still need a lot of work at third base, and just because he's so close to being major league ready uh, with the bat, uh, that is a concern, but uh, but I think he has the attributes to, to get better. But, yeah, certainly uh, certainly a lot of things that he still needs to clean up defensively, uh, whereas Bo Bichette, uh, on the other hand, talking about him a little bit, I mean, he really made a very good impression Yeah, you know, Bichette's an interesting guy because talking to some evaluators last year, there was always a sense 
uh, you know, he'll move off a short half to be a second baseman. But you started to hear more and more evaluators saying, you know what, he's the type of guy who has the chip on his shoulder and the attitude a little bit to say, you know what, you know, screw what you think. I'm a shortstop and I'm going to make myself a shortstop. Um, you know, he continues to play short primarily at New Hampshire. You mentioned defensively he showed some good things. He's hitting as always uh, off to uh, a really nice start, 15 for 44 here, nearly going. Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, overall quick thoughts on Bichette. Yeah, I mean, the, the bat is is the bat. I've, I've loved his bat uh, since he signed. But really, the, what what stood out to me was, in addition to the bat, but what probably surprised me the most was the defense. I mean, I'd heard a lot of things about he's working real, real hard this offseason on his defense. And, all right, you know, you hear that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, all right, everybody works in the offseason and everybody does Everybody looks great when, you know, nobody's watching, right? Like, <laughs> sort of like, uh, I always say about, like, instructional league. Like, everybody has a great instructional league, right? Because, like, <laughs> nobody's keeping stats or there's no public stats on it and nobody's really paying too close attention to, to monitor what's, uh, what, 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 uh, what exactly is going on uh, there outside of the club. So uh, everybody who had a, a down year looks, uh, always has a, a, great, a great instructional league. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, it, it sounds like Bichette really put in a lot of work over the off season and, and just watching him play shortstop. I mean, he looks like a shortstop to me. Uh, I think a lot of it is, especially, you know, when, when, when he was in high school, uh, you know, you're making a lot of projections too, based off of body type to a certain degree. And he looked like a guy who would just, you know, grow into this really just strong, compact, physical guy who, you know, pro- probably be built more along the lines of like a Josh Donaldson uh, type of guy and would really fit well at, uh, you know, a prototype third baseman. Uh, but he stayed, you know, pretty uh, pretty agile. Uh, he, he hasn't kind of like blown up like that uh, in terms of the, the strength gains and, and the additional size. He's, he's, he's maintained, uh, you know, a body type that's, that's allowed him to stay uh, pretty agile and, and pretty light on his feet. He, he showed good instincts uh, at shortstop. He, he's even made some uh, flashy plays. I don't think he's like the the rangiest shortstop, but he he's out there. He, he, he made all the plays. Uh, he turned double plays uh, went well to uh, up the middle and, and to his uh, and to his backhand too. Very. Uh, pretty fundamentally sound player, very good internal clock um, at shortstop too. So he he did a lot of things that you know if I didn't know there were uh, people who had questions about him as a shortstop coming in, I would have just thought, yeah, this this guy is a uh, a shortstop. And we've seen other guys, you know, Corey Seager, uh, you know, very different body type, obviously, but uh, Xander Bogarts and, and Addison Russell go from guys who had question marks on their ability to stay at shortstop uh, transform themselves into guys who are you know legitimate everyday shortstops and in some of those some cases for some of those guys uh, above average defenders at the position now you know some of it will probably depend on like the future makeup of the of the major league club that he's on right like if he's at shortstop and or he comes up to the big leagues and <laughs> Uh, they have, you know, this club has somebody like uh, a Danny Echevarria or somebody like that at, at shortstop. Well, all right, you can put him at second base and he'll be an above average defender at second or 
uh, you know, depending who else is on the club, he, he may move around. Uh, but I, everything that I saw from him defensively, uh, at least early on in the season, he looked like the guy who could play shortstop at the major league level. Absolutely. You know, th- those are two of our top 10 prospects. Uh, I want to move on and talk to uh, another one of our top 10s, and that was Shohei Otani with the Angels. And getting out to see him in Anaheim, um, you know, when I was out there last week, it was really impressive on a number of levels. I think one of the things that, you know, was interesting was, we look, he was always going to be an ace pitcher that was never in question, even when the spring training struggles were happening. Um, you know, this is a guy who has always had premium stuff, premium, you know, velocity, premium off speed stuff. I mean, his splitter that people are just now going crazy over. We had it as a 70 pitch in the prospect handbook. There's an argument for it to be an 80. Uh, you know, I was in post game locker rooms and, you know, Martin Maldonado said it's the, uh, best breaking ball he's ever caught or faced, uh, along with Zach Granke's slider and Martin Maldonado has, caught and faced a lot of big leaguers in his career. You know, guys, veteran hitters like Matt Joyce were talking about it as a pitch that was just unhittable. And there are very few unhittable pitches to the, in the to major leaguers. Um, but I think what's been interesting about Otani is, is offensively because, you know, as we wrote um, in Japan, pitchers were afraid to pitch him inside. No one wanted to be the guy that would, you know, break his elbow and, and cause him, you know, to go down in his career. American pitchers busted him inside, had a little more success. You know, he came out and he hit those home runs in three consecutive games, which was really impressive. But to me, what was almost more impressive than any of it, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was very impressed by it. But when he went to Kansas City and had a Brandon Maurer 97-mile-an-hour fastball up and in on him, that's supposed to be the kind of pitch that he was going to have trouble with. Instead, he laced it into the gap for a triple. And I think for me, now you're talking about, okay, you know, Shohei Otani was just an ace pitcher. He's still the number, arguably the number one prospect in baseball, easily number two or three. If the bat truly has come along, and again, we're still very early. He's, there's a lot of games to go. We know major league pitchers will make adjustments just as they do for every rookie that comes up. But if he can sustain this, then it is a, hey, not only is he the number one prospect in baseball, he's one of the top players in baseball. And, I mean, again, you know, people before this all started, the Japanese Babe Ruth, it, it was hyperbolic. He's now literally doing things, you know, factually that have not been done since Babe Ruth or Babe Ruth's era in the case of a guy like Jack Owen of the 1919 Washington Senators. I think for me, you know, what Shohei Otani has done, look, on the mound, it was marvelous to watch. You know, I'm there, you know, watching him go, you know, perfect game into the seventh against the A's, painting 98-99 on the corners, splitters, just unbelievable, and even throwing his slider more consistently, which was another room for improvement. You know, obviously he had a bad start last night because, hey, he's a 23-year-old rookie facing the team with the best record in baseball. Those nights are going to happen, and he had blister problems. But, uh, you know, I think for me, Shohei Otani, who we already thought was, you know, exceptional, and we gave him uh, one of the highest grades in the handbook, now that he's showing that he can adjust very quickly to the American pitching, and he made a little adjustment with his with his timing mechanism on his front leg, and all of a sudden, if he's turning on those 97-mile-an-hour fastballs on his hands like he did against Brandon Maurer, you know, the one knock on him is now gone. And I think that's a very scary possibility for uh, the rest of Major League Baseball and an exciting one for the Angels. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's why, I mean, you obviously just heard me talk about how much I, I love uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but for me, that's why uh, I like Otani as, as the best of, you know, between him, Acuna, and Vlad is, is just that just really unusual 
to put a mileage combination of number one starter and a, a legitimate hitter. I mean, like you were saying, it's immediate number one starter profile right now. It was really funny uh, seeing people uh, way overreact to what he did in uh, spring training, and that's I was on team. Everyone calmed down. There were some other people, even in our office, who, you know, it's funny. Every year we talk about spring training does not matter. Spring training does not matter. Spring training does not matter, stats-wise. And yet every year, uh, just human nature, kind of fall into the, uh uh-oh, someone's struggling in spring training. And then we're immediately snapped back into, no, it's irrelevant. It didn't matter he was throwing 90-92 against minor leaguers at 11 a.m. on the backfields. It meant nothing. But I think people, you know... What whatever's happening in the present, they kind of lose focus on the big picture and sometimes forget the lessons that we've known and learned for years and years and years that, hey, he's fine. No one sweat it. But it seems like every year we always, people in general, almost forget it. We need to do a better job not forgetting that spring training does not matter stats-wise. Oh, 100%. And, and just off that too, like, you know, even everything we've said and everything I've said so far, like the caveat with that too is that April <laughs> – in the in the regular season, I think is the right after spring training, um, or, or I guess during the regular season, probably the worst month to be evaluating players too, especially. Well, see, I think it's September. It's, it's, the call ups, the Mar- March and September, are always supposed to be the two months you don't put a lot of stock in. But I, I do yeah. hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, but it's it just part of part of April is part of it's the weather. Part of it's just guys getting started uh, I remember seeing like Ronald Acuna struggle last year and thinking hmm well those are some things to keep an eye on but I'll bet he's much better than this I didn't think he was gonna you know end the year in AAA as a 19 year old and win our minor league player of the year but like it's just one of the things that also I think makes it very susceptible to overreact is you know <laughs> Uh, not just for prospects but for major leaguers or let's say major league managers too <laughs> um, you know, we've, we've been away from uh, baseball so long. People just are watching it again. They want to react and then overreact. And then also there's there's fine you get stats on the page. So, you know, two weeks into the season, you have – if a guy has two bad weeks, the first week of the season it really shows. If a guy has two bad weeks in August, it doesn't really affect his overall numbers as much. You don't really – notice it the same way you would to the degree if a, a player is, is struggling in in April. So, I mean, but, you know, getting back to Otani, yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous stuff. Uh, you were saying a 70, if, if not better, splitter. You know, I was talking to a scout one time about it, and just about the splitter in general, which I, I think is a very underused pitch mm-hmm. among MLB clubs. They you never – almost never see a major league club, uh, you know, a major league organization allow a pitcher to develop a splitter. If he has it, they usually have him scrap it. But I, I think, you know, Japanese pitchers and, and Cuban pitchers, too, to some extent, show it can be a, a very effective pitch. But uh, this guy was saying, you know, it's, it's almost difficult to grade a splitter on the 2080 scale because you just, especially in the United States, you just don't see many splitters. And if a guy throws, you don't see, you almost never see a bad splitter either. <laughs> Cause if a guy doesn't, can't, doesn't have feel for a splitter, he's just, he's just kind of scrap it totally. 
and and not going to throw it. But uh, but Otani's is about as good as it comes, and it's it's pretty. Uh, that's a nightmare to try to hit when you're also having to gear up for that 98 to uh, 200 mile an hour fastball. But uh, but yeah, I mean I think the the bad I, I think. I think the numbers are going to come down, obviously, from, right. from where they are. He's, he's probably not going to slug 11-13 over the course of the entire season. Or OPS, sorry, his OPS is uh, 1191 over the course of the season. I think it's safe to say he won't OPS that. But, yeah, I mean, my bold, bold prediction for me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, obviously the power is it's, it's huge power. He, has, he, he can run. I think the swing... Uh, works. I mean, I do think there's some vulnerabilities, like like every hitter, especially tall, long-armed hitter, like he is. But um, I think there's a lot of attributes there that are conducive to uh, to him being able to to hit against major league pitching. I am look again. It's, it's early. It's a small sample size. I do think there'll be some somewhat more of a like an adjustment period, just given how much there is for him to have to uh, adapt. Too, uh, as you know, you know he's still 23 years old. We have you know just a bunch of pretty good 23-year-old prospects in in Double A. Uh, there's a lot of good 23-year-old prospects in Double A, and here he is doing this at the major league level. So it's uh, it's just super super impressive. Absolutely, and again, you know, I wrote in my story. You know, he even acknowledged there will be a point where he hits a wall. And again, we see it every April and May. There's rookies who get off to a really good start, but as the scouting reports start getting around, as pitchers start having a better understanding of their strengths and weaknesses, and on the other side of it, as hitters start having a better understanding of his strengths and weaknesses, there's going to be times where he, you know, it's adjustments and counter-adjustments and more adjustments and more counter-adjustments. And, you know, he's already shown himself to be someone who can make make adjustments quickly and is going to have to continue to. But I think, again, you look at just the raw talent base you know, it's there. And, and again, I just keep going back to the the one thing that and it was a big thing that would have prevented him from being, you know, the type of two way star people thought he could be as opposed to just a great pitcher, which is certainly not a bad outcome, was that that hole on the hard stuff in on his hands. And if he's closed that there's nothing stopping him. But again, the whole, I'm sure he'll see a lot more pitches up there, there's going to be some teams messing around with him and exploiting new holes. And, and the adjustments will come again. He's he's probably not going to OPS eleven ninety one for the course of the year. He's also probably uh, you know right now he's on pace to go twenty three and eleven. That's definitely not happening. Um, but again, even if you know it all comes down a little bit, it's still a really good player. If he still finishes you know fourteen and nine with a three five ERA and you know hits you know. 20 home runs. I mean, that's still one of the greatest seasons we've seen, you know, in the past century. We've talked about Otani, we've talked about Guerrero, you know, Ronald Acuna, uh, you talked about him last year. You know, it is worth noting he did get off to a little bit of a slow start last year, slow start this year too. I'm sure he'll be in the majors sooner rather than later. Uh, again, you talk about small sample sizes in two weeks. I There's no reason to panic here. No, no, I don't, uh, I don't think so at all. Um, every all the talent that he had is still uh, the same talent as before. Um, all the just a, just a ton of tools, a ton of bat speed too. Like it's it's really impressive how he's able to. Like he doesn't really get a ton of like separation uh, with his hands when he loads his swing, and yet the 
bat speed he has is 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 incredible. Uh, given that and the uh, the raw power is super impressive. The the arm strength, everything is still uh, is is still there. I still expect big big things from uh, from Marvel Cunha. Absolutely. So we talked about our top three real quick before uh, wrap up here. I just want to kind of quick hit some of our top prospects you and I have been out and seeing. Uh, you did see Lourdes Gurriel uh, when he was out there in New Hampshire. Uh, just quick thoughts. You know what what it, what does he show you? Because last year was a bad year. He's trying to kind of get back on track. And uh, what's what's kind of the state of Lourdes Gurriel, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I think last year was kind of a difficult. It was, it was, you know, the numbers were not good, but I don't think that was reflective of his uh, true talent level. Got to keep in mind, like he, he basically didn't. He, he basically went a year without playing competitive baseball, and then he got hurt. He missed a couple months, so like, kind of like the whole season almost was like his, <laughs> his spring training and him just getting his, his timing back as he's adjusting to a new country, too. I think we've seen a lot of Cuban players uh, go through, like, some initial, uh, I don't even want to say growing pains, but just, you know, they, they, get to take, you're, they have to take time away from, from playing competitive baseball, and, and there's so much of hitting his timing. Um, you know, we saw it with, uh, with Yohan Moncada. I think we saw it with, with Guriel last year, and obviously it's early on, but so far the uh, the early results have been have been good. Uh, he's showing a, uh, a very disciplined hitting approach. He's uh, managing the strike zone well. He's not chasing pitches off the plate. I mean, it's it's tough because like <laughs> you're seeing him at the same time you're seeing uh, especially Vlad, but but also Bo Bichette. It's almost like you know he he doesn't belong in <laughs> in that category. It's hard for anybody to look good on the same field. <laughs> as those guys, but he, he looks like a solid player. They got him playing second base now just because, obviously, they've got those, those other two guys on on the left side of the infield, but this is somebody who could potentially uh, bounce around the infield between uh, second, third. I think he profiles really well there. Uh, maybe shortstop on, on occasion. He has some experience there uh, or potentially move around the move around the outfield too, but uh, just a, a, it seems like a very professional approach. Uh, he's obviously older than, uh, than Vlad and, and Bo by quite a few years, but uh, uh, so far uh, the, uh, the early times this year have been, uh, been pretty solid. Absolutely. Brendan Rogers is another top prospect. You saw New Hampshire playing Hartford and Rogers flirted with 400 last year. Um, just, it's interesting because on the one hand, he shows this really gifted ability uh, just to swing the bat, uh, timing, rhythm, hands, it's all there. Um, but he did struggle a little bit when he got the double A last year. And in talking to some evaluators this year, they mentioned early on, he really looked, you know, launch angle is an interesting thing, right? Um, it works for some players. It doesn't for others. Um, again, it just depends on the player, their skill set, and what what is kind of the best approach for them. It's not a cure-all. And Rodgers is a guy who is at his best when he's quick stroke, line drive, all fields. And, you know, what they've, we've talked about is right now he's playing like a guy who's trying to be too much of a launch angle guy. As a result, it's a lot of pop-ups. He's not scoring baseballs up like he used to. Um, you know, he's off to a little bit of a slow start at Hartford. Again, you know, 10 games, don't want to go crazy over that. But 
Uh, he's striking out a lot more than he was before. Again, you're seeing a lot of fly balls, a lot of pop-ups. You know, it's interesting because so much, we talk about players and their skill sets, but as much as raw tools, especially once you get to the AA level, it's do you take the right approach to access those tools? And Brendan Rodgers, by trying to be a launch angle guy, is hurting himself from what his best tools are, which again is just bat speed, levels, line drive, stroke, you know, easy but pack some thump. And when he hits home runs, it's because he, you know, the ball carries off his bat, not because he's, you know, getting under it and, you know, putting in a, an arc that's just, you know, jaw dropping. That's not his game. Um, you know, overall, I mean, I mean, you got to look at him and what he's trying to do. Just, you know, where do you see Brendan Rodgers right now? Because again, he was a top 10 prospect. He dropped a little bit. He's still top 20s. But to me, if, if this is who, if he doesn't go back to being who he was and he keeps trying to be this, he's not a top 50 prospect because that, again, he won't be producing to the best of his abilities. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see a guy who was like trying to just like yank the ball out of the park or anything. I just, uh, to me, there wasn't much to take away from what he did. I mean, he's, he's played 10 games this year. And I think just, just from watching him on the field, like, you know, there's some guys out there and just they're, just wearing their their uniform when they're warming up, and uh, they look like they're comfortable in the cold. Uh, Brennan Rogers was one of the guys who's pretty bundled up out there, uh, wearing the winter hat during the during infield sweatshirt, everything. <laughs> uh, he he just didn't look uh, super comfortable in the cold weather. So for me, um, you know, he, he definitely showed some uh, some good power in. BP and, and he was uh, driving the ball well to uh, to right center in BP um, in the game. Hard, it just was hard to take away much from that. I, I mean, with him, really the, the bigger body where I think he's got to take a more disciplined approach. Uh, he's just more so than whether he's going to, uh, you know, what what type of swing he's going to have. It's it's just you know. <laughs> Uh, when to swing and, and when not to swing. Uh, I think that's going to be key for him, but I it, it would be sort of like when I saw, again, like when I saw Cunha uh, last year, obviously that was different, him being in the Florida State League early in the season, but it was just one of those things where it's like, all right, this is early in the season, not much to go off right here. It's not really fair to make an evaluation based off of, uh, very, very limited early information. Yeah, and that's very, very fair. Again, I think it's just something where I'm just going to be curious to see because, again, you know, when he's right, um, he is a top, you know, 20, maybe even top 10 prospect. Just be interesting to see if he can, you know, again, maybe it is just an early season working out some things and he'll figure it out. That certainly wouldn't be the first prospect to do that. Um, you know, just real quick to wrap up. I mean, we, we've been around, saw a couple guys. Um, you know, Ryan Vallade was the Rockies' top pick last year. You know, interesting, the Rockies have gone with uh, some of the, you know, a lot of guys in the dirt, you know, infielders who can hit. Uh, we saw Rodgers. We saw Colton Welker. We see Ryan Vallade now. And Vallade has, a, you know, it's interesting having watched Rodgers and, and Garrett Hampson and Lancaster last year. Obviously, they were older. Uh, and Vallade this year, Ryan Vallade, um, he played not the greatest level of baseball uh, in Oklahoma. And one of the things that, you notice was he was, on the one hand, he had a lot of discipline at bats, 
on the other, he was missing a lot of 87 to 89 mile an hour fastballs. And, you know, that's typically a red flag when you can't, you know, when your top pick isn't is behind and swinging and missing on pitches like that. But at the same time, 19 years old, first full season, two weeks into the year, and he really didn't face that really good a competition in Oklahoma. You know, it's one of those, okay, let's circle back in June. I think in June, if he's still swinging and missing through 87 to 89 mile an hour low A fastballs, then it's a concern. But again, that two weeks into April, you know, it's not enough to go, okay, red flag, you know, let's, let's, you know, get, get worked up here. But I thought it was interesting to note that, you know, he's supposed to be a, a big, you know, a big bat infielder, uh, but the bat is not at present as advanced as a lot of other bats out there. And again, I think some of it's just his age, his background, his start. And we, I mean, we see that a good bit, you know, the 19 year olds first full season, that first month, it's, you know, the timing isn't always right there on opening day. It takes a little bit. There is a big adjustment from high school slash rookie ball, short season ball to full season ball, even a level as low as low A. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, you look at what he did last year too. That's uh grand junction. That's a, that's a, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty loud pro debut. So I think that's definitely fair to be one of the guys where you say, all right, let's, let's wait until, uh, you know, we're, April's not even <laughs> done yet to, uh, to wait and see how he, uh, how he, how he's looking by come May and June. Absolutely. You know, on the flip side, you know, the guys, we did see, you know, two guys who after two weeks in April, their team decided, hey, bump them to double A, they're ready. Uh, and that was Griffin Canning and Jose Suarez, you know, both of them, two of the top prospects in the Angels organization. Canning yeah, is just, your report on uh, Canning was, was pretty exciting. I mean, you know, the thing with him and, and even doing some draft work on him out of UCLA was, you know, this is a really polished pitcher. There's four pitches there. Just, you know, you're a little worried about the velo. He's not the biggest guy, you know. But if that velo jumps, then, you know, you're talking about not just a mid-rotation starter, maybe even, you know, front of the rotation. Well, the Angels sent him to their complex in Arizona. He spent 10 months working out. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's more flexible. And what do you know? I mean, he didn't throw a single fastball slower than 93. You know, he sat 94, 96, touched 97. A different gun had 98, and he held it. Um, you know, again, it was interesting to me watching him, and I mentioned this. He was matched up against Tyler Beatty, who is a AAA pitcher who was making a, a high-A start just to get him on schedule to then make his major league debut. So he was facing a guy that the Giants were ready to say, you're ready for the majors, and it wasn't close which guy was the better pitcher. Canning threw harder, his fastball command was better, both of his breaking pitches were much better. And now you're saying, okay, this guy is really, really good. Uh, he did a second start, the Angels put him at double A. He got hit pretty hard in his double A debut. But, you know, again, anytime you see a guy who goes from, you know, all of a sudden talking 94 97 with a nasty curveball, nasty slider, and, you know, some evaluators thought his changeup was his best secondary, and he barely even had to use it. I mean, that, that, that's special, to say the least. And, and we'll see if he can keep it up. There's a big level adjustment ahead of him now. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It was eye-opening. <laughs> it's, and it's super rare, too, to see a prospect get promoted in April, right? Like, we always get questions that are like, when are they going to promote, like, even with, like, Vlad Jr.? Like, well, why do the Blue Jays still have him in double-A? Like, well, he's 19 years old, and he has, what, now 11 games of <laughs> – 
double A experience. Like, you know, these teams make decisions coming into the year where they think these players are ready for. And usually they're not going to, it's, it's very uncommon to see anybody get promoted in, in April. Usually we're talking earliest mid May, if not mid season for, for guys to get bumped up a level. Uh, and for Canning, who obviously didn't even uh, play in 2017, um, for him to get bumped up that quick says that uh, <laughs> sounds like the the Angels got some very very exciting <laughs> reports uh, internally, like uh, like you had from his outing that said uh, this guy can't can't be in at the in the Cal League anymore. He's too good. <laughs> you know, it's interesting though because I think if you had asked me the question before he got bumped. When's he going to get up? I would have said when he starts getting to that fifth, sixth inning, because durability is a big part of this and being ready for the next level. I mean, you compare, you talk about quick promotions, right? Walker Bueller was barely in the Cali last year either. He had five starts, 16 in a third inning. So he threw, you know, three more starts and, and almost twice as many innings as Canning did. Um, and that was a quick promotion. So I, I do wonder on the Angels side of things, okay. You know, what would have been the reward for saying, hey, let's just build up the durability more so we can get to that fifth, that sixth, and then move them. But clearly they made the decision. And then they followed it up today by promoting Jose Suarez, the lefty I saw, who, you know, when the Angels signed him was a, an 80, a mid-80s pitchability guy. Well, he's now 90-94 with a changeup that one evaluator said's a potential future 70 pitch. A curveball he was laying to both sides. He just turned 20. He just got promoted to Double A, and uh, you know he a lot. He's in the same. I mean, again, not Vlad Junior caliber player, but in the hey, this guy is really, really, really young for the level. Um, Jose Suarez is all, already uh, one of the. I believe he might be the youngest pitcher in Double A after today's promotion. Again, two starts, nine innings, eighteen strikeouts, one walk. The Angels said, "Yep, you're going to Double A." Yeah, that's uh, that's not typical of. <laughs> Uh, what we usually see with the April prospect promotions, but uh, yeah, they definitely have those guys uh, on the uh, in the accelerator with those two. Yeah, absolutely, and and we'll see. So it, it's been interesting, you know, first couple of weeks. We got a lot more coming up. Uh, what uh, what trips do you have planned, Ben, uh, in terms of uh, prospect views in the next couple of weeks? Uh, trying to see as much uh, of Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette as <laughs> as possible. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, trying to get as many looks at, at those guys as I as I possibly can, and then obviously whoever else is uh, coming in to uh, to see them. So obviously a lot of a lot of talent in the in the Eastern League this year at the Double A level, but uh, not going to turn down any opportunity I can to uh, get the chance to see those guys play. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I'll be around uh, here uh, in the greater uh, you know, Durham area, seeing some International League, seeing some Sally League, seeing a little bit of Carolina League. Uh, then I'll be back out in California in June. So we'll have you covered coast to coast, north to south, east to west. All right. Well, oh, go ahead. Full plate coverage. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that'll about do it for this edition of the Baseball America podcast. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, for Ben Badler, I'm Kyle Glazer. Have a good one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.